What are you known for? What is your reputation with others? When Jesus spoke to the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, he says to this church, I know your reputation. You have a reputation for being alive, but the reality is you are dead. Today on Awaken to Grace, we're going to study the words of Jesus to his church in the city of Sardis. We're going to understand the importance of the city and why Jesus used the specific language he used to the Christians of that city. And you know what, my friends? <laughs> the words of Jesus have as much weight and as much relevance to our lives today as it did back then. I'm so glad you're listening to Awaken to Grace today as we continue our journey through the seven churches of Revelation. I hope you enjoy today's broadcast from Revelation chapter 3. Well, today, as I said, we're in the fifth city. We're in the city of Sardis. <clears throat> With each of these cities, I've tried to give you a bit of history. I've tried to share with you uh, some, what I feel Christ not only said to the church, but to the city itself. I've tried to give you a bit of historical background because I think that helps us understand the context of which the scripture was written. I've also laid out why I believe that each of the churches represent a certain time period of church history. Today's time period would represent the church of Sardis, I think, would represent the post-Reformation period, the 1500s and the 1600s. I'll show you next week why the church of Philadelphia, I believe, represents the greatest explosion of missions ever in the earth, and that would be the 1700s and the 1800s. And then to, to conclude the series... On the final week of July, we'll be at the church of Laodicea, and I'll show you why I believe that represents the 1900s and, of course, the 2000s. I believe that it represents certain periods of church history, and I don't think that many people would argue that we are living today in the church of Laodicea. And I think it's very interesting that of the three chapters of the first three chapters of Revelation, of the seven churches that are mentioned, Laodicea is the last and the final church. Could it be that we are the church right before the coming of Jesus Christ? Friends, I believe we are. You don't have to be very spiritual. You don't have to be very religious to look around at the earth today and to notice the intensifying of events upon the earth today. Things are increasing. Evil is increasing. The climate, the atmosphere is intensing. And why is that? Because, friends, I believe we are in the two-minute warning. You watch football games. You watch basketball games. And you can see when it comes to the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter, that's when a different intensity comes into the teams. A different intensity comes into the game. And friends, I believe that we are in the final two-minute warning before Jesus Christ returns. 
So today we're in the city of Sardis. Let me share with you a bit of history of the city of Sardis, and then we'll begin to lay out the scripture phrase for phrase. Notice with me in verse number one of Revelation chapter three, he says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write. Now we'll explain the next few phrases, but let's stop right there for a moment. Where was Sardis? I like to say that Sardis was an ancient city before this ancient time. Sardis has an unbelievable history. Now remember, in our seven churches, in our study of these seven churches, if you were a mail carrier delivering the seven letters of Christ to the churches and you followed the mail route, well, it would look almost like a capital D. That's the direction we're going. So we began in the city of Ephesus, which was a harbor city, the capital city, And then we went 35 miles north to the city of Smyrna, which again was a harbor city right off the Aegean Sea. And then from there we went 50 miles north, 15 miles inland to the city of Pergamum. And oh, did we ever have a lot to say about the city of Pergamum. And then from there we went about 35 miles east to the city of Thyatira. That's where we were last week. And now today, we're going to travel 35 miles south, 50 miles east of Ephesus, 35 miles south of Thyatira, and now we're in the city of Sardis. And we're going to work our way down to Philadelphia and then over to Laodicea, and that will complete our journey. Now, Sardis had an unbelievable history. The city was leveled by an earthquake right around the time of Christ. It came under Roman government rule around 133 B.C., before Christ. When Jesus was young, the Roman emperor of the Roman government was Tiberius. Tiberius was a wicked and an evil and a very depraved man. If you've never done any history on the emperor Tiberius, he was a wicked, wicked man. Well, Tiberius rebuilt the city in A.D. 17, just a short time before Christ was to be crucified. By the time that John wrote his letter from Christ to the church of Smyrna, they were well back up on their feet. And the city was actually quite famous. It was famous in this region. I remember the region we're in is today modern Turkey. But the region back then, when it was under Roman rule, was called Asia Minor. This was the province of Asia Minor. And Sardis was a famous city of Asia Minor. They were famous, first of all, for their past wealth. It was in the city of Sardis that coins were first minted in gold and silver. They were known as a wealthy and affluent city. They were also famous for their wool productions. They produced carpets and rugs. They produced garments. This was one of the leading centers for garment production of linens and wool in this region. Actually, the city sat at the junction of five main roads. 
and the main road was called the Imperial Highway. It was a trade center, and a great deal of trade happened through the city of Sardis. It was a connection point, a junction. And so here Sardis was famous not only for their past wealth, not only for their wool production, but they were also famous for their fortified city. I'll get into more of this later in our text, but here's what you need to know right now. The city began as a fortress city. It was very unique. The city was built 1,500 feet up above the ground onto the side of a mountain. And three sides of this mountain were, were, was literally unscalable. An army could not penetrate it. There was only one way into the city, and that was on the south side of the city. It was a small, narrow path. You could put a handful of soldiers at the, at the entrance of this path and well keep out any army trying to invade. It was that small, that narrow, and it was difficult to find. Well, as time went, the people of Sardis outgrew their 15-foot high fortress, and they spilled over onto the ground below them, and they built out from there. Now, when times of threat came, in times of war, if there was any kind of danger or a threat of danger, they always kept food and they always kept water stored in their 1,500-foot fortress, and they would flee there, and they would fortify themselves and keep soldiers to keep watch to guard. We'll get into that in just a moment. But there was another reason why Sardis was famous in the ancient world. It was known for death. Oddly enough, there was a necropolis. A necropolis in those days, this is a graveyard. It is a cemetery. They had a large graveyard that could be seen for miles away, and it was called the hill, uh, it was called um, a thousand hills. And here thousands of tombs were across this graveyard. Is it any wonder that in verse 1, Jesus addresses this church, this city that's known for its cemetery, the city that's known for its necropolis. Is it any wonder that Jesus would say to them, I know your works. And that you have a reputation of being alive, but you are, what's your Bible say? Dead. How interesting. You have a reputation of being alive. Everyone likes you. Everyone thinks you're doing well. Everybody sees your good works. Everybody sees your outreach. Everybody sees your community relations. But Jesus says, I am the head of the church. And I see that you are fake. I see that you are phony. I see that you are not genuine nor authentic. And what I see is that in reality, you are dead. Your reputation is that you are alive, but the reality is you are dead, Jesus says. How fitting to say to the city that was known for death, you are dead. How many churches today, how many Christians today would Jesus look at our lives and if he evaluated our life right now, people would look at you and say, oh, you've got everything together. 
Oh, you, uh, you attend a, uh, you know, you go to Preaching Christ Church. And, you know, oh, you, 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 you know the worship songs. And, you know, I see you pray before you eat or things like that. And, and people know that you're religious or people know that you are spiritual. But in reality, if Jesus were to evaluate your life, Jesus would say, you're dead. What a sobering thing for Jesus Christ to say to his church. Now, he's going to give the remedy, but how can we accept the remedy if we don't accept the diagnosis? Have you ever had a loved one who would refuse to go to the doctor? How can you get medicine? How can you get the remedy if you refuse the diagnosis? So, Jesus, watch what he says in verse 1 to this church. He's going to say what feels like a complicated thing, but let me explain it to you. And I don't think it's as complicated as what it feels. Now remember, Jesus says to all seven churches, he's going to reveal himself. He's going to introduce himself in this letter, in each of the letters. He's going to follow a very clear format with all of the churches. Remember in Ephesus... He introduced himself as the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the golden candlestick. Remember in Smyrna, he told those Christians, I am he that was dead but is alive again. And you remember that was the motto of their city, the city that was dead but lives again. <coughs> you remember what he said to the people of Pergamum, I will come to you with a double-edged sword. Remember the Roman proconsul of Pergamum? What was he known for? The mighty sword with which he carried. And do you remember Thyatira? How did Jesus say he would come to those people? With eyes of burning flame of fire and with feet as brownished brass, as a judge. Well, now in the city of Sardis, a city that is known for death, this city where the church is now pronounced as dead, how does Jesus reveal himself? Watch what he says. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, at first glance, this seems very odd and hard to interpret. We know there's only one Holy Spirit, right? So why does this verse say seven spirits of God? What does Jesus mean by this? Well, friends, this is why as a Bible teacher, as a pastor, it's my job to rightly divide the word. In other words, rightly handle the word of God. So let's rightly handle this. What did Jesus mean when he said the seven spirits of God? Well, we believe what it mainly references is Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. You may want to note that. Isaiah 11, verse 2 talks about the manifold ministry of the Holy Spirit. The multiple ministries that the Holy Spirit has. The sevenfold ministry. It could also refer to Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And in there, there is a vision of... The seven golden lampstand being fed with oil, which represents the Holy Spirit. It could allude to that, most certainly. But friends, understand this. I, I don't think there's much confusion here for me. 
Because how many churches is Christ addressing right now? Seven. Now, were there more than seven churches? Oh, absolutely. You had the church in Thessalonica, the church in the city of Rome, the church in the city of Corinth. You had the church in the city of Philippi. You had the church in Macedonia. Oh, you had tons and tons and tons of churches, not to mention the Jerusalem church, not to mention the Antioch church. Why did Jesus address seven? Because, friends, the number seven in the Bible always represents the number of completeness. What's he saying? I believe what Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit, seven churches, seven spirits of God, the number of completion, I believe Jesus is saying what is complete for the church is the perfect, the manifold work and ministry of the precious Holy Spirit. Amen? What Jesus is saying is your church is dead and I have, I possess Christ, the head of the church. I have what you need and it is the Holy Spirit. It is Isaiah 11:2, the ministry, the manifold work of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I don't care how good our music is. I don't care how eloquent our preaching is. I don't care how robust our kids' programs are. I don't care how strong our outreach or missions program may be. Friends, there is nothing that replaces the Holy Spirit within a congregation. And there's nothing that replaces the Holy Spirit in your personal life. We must have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, if you are a dead Christian... If the pronouncement over your life is that you are a dead Christian, I have the remedy. I have the answer. And it is the precious Holy Spirit. Amen. It's what we need today. I don't believe the Lord is gauging us by the quality of our music. Do you realize that throughout the New Testament, Paul never wrote to any church and said, Guys, I tell you, your music has just really went up to another level. Did he ever do that? Paul never wrote to pastors and said, you know, I tell you, I, I hear your, your illustrations, pastor, is just getting better and better. <laughs> you know, as a pastor, I have a little pet peeve. And that's, I, I don't know, if you notice, a, a lot of pastors today no longer call themselves pastors. You know what they call themselves? Communicators. Rather than being a shepherd, Rather than being a pastor, they are the lead communicator. And I'm not throwing stones at them. I'm not saying they're wrong for it. But I'm saying for me, I don't want to be a communicator. I want to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. I want fire on my tongue. I want my words to be scorching and searching because they're the words of the Holy Spirit and not my own intellect. Amen? I have nothing to communicate to you apart from Jesus Christ. Because nothing will save your soul. Nothing will help you. Nothing will take you into eternity. Nothing will give you eternal life other than Jesus Christ. No, I'm not a communicator. I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. So he says, yes, the seven spirits of God. Friends, if you're dead today, If you're lifeless today, if you've lost that passion, if you've lost that zeal, if you've lost that hunger, if you've lost that thirst 
My friends, what you need today more than you need anything is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And Jesus is saying to the church, I have what you need. And now he says, notice the seven stars. Well, what's the seven stars? We've explained, I believe this is the seven, I believe these are the pastors of the church. But, but, but even if, if people were to disagree with that, let's at least say this, and I think everyone would agree to this. He's speaking of spiritual authority. And Jesus is saying, I have what the church needs. The beautiful work of the Holy Spirit and all spiritual authority. And that will revive your church. That will revive your spiritual life. So now look at, notice, notice. well, let's finish verse 1. He, he says, I uh, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. <coughs> I know your works. Now remember, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Philadelphia and Laodicea. He's going to have something good to say, something commendable. But to Sardis? He has nothing good to say. Isn't that shocking? He says, I know your works. And your reputation is that you are alive. In other words, you look good to the community. You look good to the city. You look good to outsiders. But the reality is, is that you're dead. Friends, our church can look good to the community. But what does Jesus think of us? We can be... Full of good works, but are they the right things that Jesus notices? Would our lives be like what Jesus said to the Pharisees? Remember what he said? You're like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Don't let that be said of your life. So now notice verse 2. What's Jesus say to this dying church? Wake up! Oh, why did Jesus say this? Well, let's go deeper into their history. So before Jesus was born, before the time of Christ came, that his incarnation, I hesitate to say before Jesus was born because you realize before Abraham was, he said, I am. It was his incarnation, right? Anyways. Just clarify that. Before Jesus came to this earth, twice, now hear me now, twice the, the city was overran and captured. Now, remember, we're talking about a fortress city. We're talking about 1,500 feet up in the air. We're talking only one way in, one narrow path on the south side. How could any army overtake it? The walls were unscalable. You could not penetrate it. Well, let me tell you of one incident in particular. Ever heard of the King Cyrus of the Persians? He overthrew the city. Do you know how he overthrew the city? He didn't pick the fight with the, with the people of Sardis. The king of Sardis came against him. Well, they began to overpower them, and Sardis fled, and they ran up into their fortress city, and they fortified themselves, and Cyprus was hot on their, uh, Cyrus was hot on their heels. King Cyrus gets down to the basin, 
trying to figure out how they're going to scale and how they're going to get up there. He offers a massive bounty to whatever soldier can figure out how to overthrow this city. While they're waiting, while they're contemplating and planning, all of a sudden history says one of King Cyrus's soldiers notices a helmet falling off the mountain. He begins to investigate and they find the narrow path on the south side that led to the city. And guess what the handful of soldiers were doing? They were asleep. Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Awakened Radio. 